The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This show is brought to you by Miami Grill. For over 30 years, Miami Grill has brought you big favorites from big cities, featuring authentic ingredients prepared fresh to order with the best cheesesteaks, wings, gyros, burgers, and more. Don't just bring dinner home, bring home Miami. Order online or in person. Pickup, drive through dine-in, and delivery available at all locations. If you're craving it, they're making it. Bringing Miami Grill home has never been easier. With locations all over South Florida, check MyMiamiGrill.com to find yours. That's MyMiamiGrill.com to find Miami Grill. While we're in the middle of this booming real estate market of South Florida, you may be looking to purchase a new house or refinance your current one. You can make sure that you have an attorney-owned title company handle your contract and close for the low price of $295. Reach out to our good friend Seltzer Mayberg. Give them a call at 305-444-1565 and mention 5 Reason Sports in order to get that $295 closing fee on all purchases and refinances. So go ahead and purchase or refinance that house knowing that you'll have an attorney reviewing and handling your closing for $295 when you mention 5 Reason Sports. You can also visit their website at onecalllegal.com where they'll be able to assist you with any of your legal needs, whether it's a divorce or a car accident or slip and fall. Everything is in-house and they're ready to help you with whatever you may need an attorney for. That is 305-444-1565 Seltzer Maidberg. Let me introduce you to another sponsor, bestever.com. That is B-S-T-E-V-R.com. Bestever.com is a fantasy sports simulator that uses real-life data to simulate hypothetical situations. For example, Ever wondered if Dan Marino could win a Super Bowl with a top 10 running game? We all have. You can do that with bestever.com. Let's say the Dolphins are in the running for a big free agent. Just add them to the current team and simulate games to see how it can turn out. Just open a free account and start building your own story and have bestever.com spit out game stories just for you. Bestever is not only fun to use, but has many uses beyond just curiosity. Go to bestever.com. That's B-S-T-E-V-R. Dot com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is not here because he's moving this week. So he's kind of busy. So he can't talk tight ends and offensive line today. But of course, this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Use 5RSM for 20% off. It's brought to you by Miami Grill. You heard them at the top of the show. It's brought to you by Biscayne Bay Brewing. And now it's also brought to you by Simon Clancy. Yes. You've heard about it. We've talked about it on this show. You're listening to a draft preview. Well, Simon Clancy has something to sell you guys. And it's well worth the what four dollars and twelve cents it actually costs American. Tell $4 people about it. Simon. And twelve cents. 
Yeah, so uh, essentially, I, I've been, as people probably know, obsessed with the draft for a, many, many years. And at the start of lockdown, so kind of just over a year ago, when the UK was locked down completely for six or seven weeks, um, it was kind of uh, difficult to kind of everybody was, uh, same for you in the States, I suppose. If you, I don't know if you had a proper full on lockdown like we did, but um, kind of comprehend what you could do really. And you weren't really allowed out apart from to go to the supermarket and stuff. So just to get some headspace, I just sort of thought, you know what, I'm just going to like dive into the draft and started watching just hours and hours of tape in the evening after work. It was just like, I really got into it and then started creating sort of players, groupings, you know, quarterbacks. I actually started watching, I think I started watching edge players, edge players, corners first um did that and just got into it and was like just drawing up a list of guys and and watching sort of three or four games of each and after a while I just thought you know what fuck it I'm just going to do the entire I'm going to do the entire thing just for my own benefit really because it helps with us talking about it on the show helps with us you know people asking questions on Twitter and stuff and and then it just got to a point where the magazine that I work for over here I just said to the guys look I've done this it's I mean I'm sat in front of it now it's 86,394 words um we might as well just try and try and sell it. And so the guys were like, yeah, brilliant. We'll just make it into a PDF. Um, Cause of the pandemic, it was too difficult to draw it, to, to make it into an actual book. And I knew there'd be lots of people in the States who would want it and sending it across with a delay in mail because of the pandemic, et cetera, would just make it an absolute nightmare. So, so yeah, it's available as a, um, it's available to pre-order right now. If you go to my Twitter at Cyclancy, that will give you all the details. Cause I can't, I don't have them in front of me, but um yeah, it's three pound if you live in England, you know, which is the same. It's actually cheaper than a pint of beer when the pub's open. Um, and it's $4.12 and you can pay by PayPal or you can pay by credit card or whatever in the US. And once it's finished, the, the guys are making the PDF and it's, it looks pretty with pictures and stats and shit. And But it reviews, there's about 280 players maybe um, in depth. So I've watched minimum of three games of 280 players. Well, actually not as many as that, 200. 76 or something because Quinn Minots, I couldn't see three games of his. Um, and there's a couple of corners, like small school corners where, you know, we just don't get Hackensack state tape in the UK, <laughs> you know? Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's been a labor of love at times. I've really enjoyed it at times. I fucking hated it. And it <laughs> must've taken me about no word of a lie. It's probably taken about 400 hours. I reckon to do it all because it's not just like going through tape. I, I I really thought it was important to try and paint a picture of players off the field. Um, you know, so whether that was injury history going back to high school. So it just takes a lot, you know, I'd probably spend yeah, however long it takes to, to, to watch three or four games of player um, and then write it up so that it didn't all sound like the same, but then just probably an hour then on each player digging into their background, high school, going back to high school days, I try and speak to different people, to scouts, to some coaches, to find out injury histories, to find out arrest histories, some quote, you know, quotes that people have said about these guys, just bits and bobs really, just to sort of paint a, a fuller picture. And I suppose it's a kind of a, a, a companion pre-draft during the draft and after the draft really, so that people that maybe don't follow college football as closely as, as the three of us do are kind of like, you know, because we all know the Jeremiah Uusi Koromoas and we all know the Carl Pitts but, you know, you're going to get yeah. sort of, you know. The, you get uh, a little bit more into the weeds where we, we will be for the next few weeks. Right? Yeah, right? you know, the, you know, if you want to know about Amen or Bong Bimuga, the Oklahoma State linebacker, and, you know, then yeah. that's cool. Or, you know, where 
I don't know, Antoine Simmons of Michigan State. If you know, if the Dolphins end up drafting him, then you know, there's a report on him, and um, and obviously that you know there are people who are not going to agree with some of the ratings. They're all in order um, in terms of rankings. I've got certain players higher than you know. Caleb Farley is the perfect example. Which He's is further down yeah. the list. Which is a great thing for debate because I, I've been called everything from an idiot to to a propagandist <laughs> the last few days just because of my opinions on certain position groups. But you know, it's it's the fun thing about this this, this time of year. And it's so course, boring if we all thought the same thing. Yeah, if, if, if we just got here and say yes, this guy. If, if we agreed on the first twenty picks of the draft, you know, it it, it just mm. wouldn't be any fun. But if you want to get this draft guide. All you got to do is just follow us on three yards per carry or follow yeah. Simon on three yards per carry. We're providing the link three times a day. If you really want the link right now, I suggest get a pen and paper, write it down right now. And then you could, you know, since it's a podcast, you could always rewind and listen to me again, www.gridiron-magazine.com slash shop slash 2021 dash draft dash guide it's pretty simple okay squared iron magazine you go to the website go to shop go to 2021 draft guide and you can get it there all right well we're going to talk tight ends and offensive line here today which is to say that we're going to talk about Kyle Pitts because I don't think this is a very good tight end group maybe maybe you disagree maybe you want to you know players I like there's a players I like you know beyond Pitts I I think Pat Frymer is a really good player Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a top 40 pick. I, I, I like Brevin Jordan. I, I think some injury red flags. I think he's a versatile player. He reminds me of Johnny Smith a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and just another, you know, just yet another player who's there must be 25, 30 players in the in this draft who have parents who were NFL players or whatever. Obviously, um, Daryl Jordan was a ninth round pick of the Falcons in the 1990 draft. Um, Tommy Tremble at Notre Dame, I think, is a really, really, really interesting player. I mean, he's an absolute beast of a blocker, inexperienced in the passing game, in part because of Michael Mene, the the super hot freshman that, that Notre mm-hmm. Dame have. But Tremble's got great hands as well. He's really athletic. Um, you know, and there's a bunch of guys after that, you know, Hunter Long, John Bates, Boise State kid, Matt Bushman at BYU is a good player. Um, you know, Trey McKitty, some underused guys, Trey McKitty, the, the FSU... Uh, kid who has had a knee injury and stuff and then some raw guys i think i'd be remiss if i didn't inject this theme right here because you know our partner in crime chris chris kaufman loved this guy i don't know love is probably a strong word but he told me watch him and watch him in practice at the senior bowl kenny yoba yeah kenny yoba is a good player yeah he has he has a look right he has that look like he looks like an nfl player he looks like he'll be an nfl tight end yeah, he can block. I think he'll be a good number two. He's a threat in the downfield passing game. He'll compete on special teams. Um, he's a transfer from Ole Miss to came from Temple. Um, only eleven starts, um, but oh no, sorry, that's not true. Only nineteen starts. Eight. Uh, he played thirty-eight games for Temple, but only started eleven of them. Um, but yeah, I, I like him. He's a former receiver convert. He's a decent player. Um, the athleticism flashes a bit on film. So yeah, he's. Um, He's an interesting player. All right. Now, let's start right at the top. Best in class. I don't think anybody's going to dazzle anybody here and say another name, but Kyle Pitts, and I'll start right here. If it said WR next to his name and not TE, does he crack the big three this year? 
Uh, and the big three, of course, being Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. Such a difficult question, really, because I don't think there's an answer to it. Um, he's not really a tight end, but he's not really a wide receiver. I mean, you don't really have many 239-pound wide receivers. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I think ultimately he's probably the second best player in the draft behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, mm-hmm. He's just got everything. You know, he's super twitchy. There aren't a lot of downsides. You know, he's super twitchy. He's got an incredible, you know, hands. He's a move tight end who can literally dictate coverage and, uh, and change the game. And what we mean by that is that when people say, oh, why would you draft a tight end? You've already got Mike Kosicki. And that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you go back and look at that Patriots team with Aaron Hernandez and Rob, Rob Gronkowski. And that was the best offense that we've seen in many, many years with those two tight end sets. And, you know, you look what the Patriots have done this year with Johnny Smith and with, um, with Hunter Henry, they're, they're, yeah. they're looking to, to, to create matchups. So, and what we mean by matchups is if you look at Kyle Pitts' game, you know, he lines up in line, he'll line up uh, as a boundary X, he'll line up in the slot, um, and he'll move around the formation. You know, you'll probably see him lined up in the backfield at times just to, to, to get matchups. And and he would be a deadly, deadly YA. So, yeah, absolutely. 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 But what you see from him is that. He's so good. He runs such good routes. He's got such good hands. He can dominate so much at the, uh, at the catch point because he's six foot six. Uh, he's so athletic that, you know, you look at the games in the SEC against Alabama, against uh, South Carolina, against Georgia, you know, these are teams that are having to, and, and Alabama are no mugs, you know, you go beyond Patrick Satan and, you know, you're looking at guys like Josh Job. you're looking at, you know, they're, they are four and five deep, in terms of really, 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 really good corners, do you know what I mean? We are not mm-hmm. talking about um, we're not talking about mugs here. I mean, you go you go down the Alabama list, and you've got you know Demarco Hellams, you've got uh, Jackie Battle. Um, you know, there are some serious players um, in that Alabama secondary, but they're uh, and you know Dylan Moses at linebacker, Christian Harris. They're having to roll over Patrick Sertan to cover him because nobody else can stop him against South Carolina. JC Horn is going to be a top 12 pick, you know, top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. They are having to roll JC Horn over, you know, Israel McQuarma can't cover him. JC Horn has, has to roll it against Georgia. You know, it's either Eric Stokes or, or Tyson Campbell, both top 40, top 45 corners in this draft being forced to cover him. You know, and this is an Alabama, this is a Georgia team. You know, you look at that Georgia team and you, apart from those two, You've still got Richard LeCount, you've still got Mark Webb, you've still got DJ Daniel, and they, they can't cover him. You know, so that that tells you what what he means. And also, if that happens in the NFL, think of the the opportunities that opens up then for the Dolphins offense. If if Absolutely. teams are having to roll their best corner to cover the your tight end, all of a sudden your number one in inverted commas receiver is now on the number two corner your number two wide receiver who would have been on the number two corner is now on the number three corner. You know, your slot guy is now on either a number four corner or, you know, they've had to move a safety down and you're winning mismatches all the time. That's what you're looking for. Do you know what I mean? The game, the NFL is not about stats. It's not about, it's about mismatches and it's about systems. And if you can, it's a chess game. It's a violent chess game. And you are trying to create mismatches on every single solitary down. And that is why Carl Pitts is so important to a team. That is why it's so important to the Miami Dolphins. You are creating mismatches because you will get him on a linebacker. You will get him in situations where the number one, you know, let's say we're playing the Packers. Jair Alexander, there'll be times when he can't cover Kyle Pitts. So there's your opportunity because he's on the Kevin King, because he's on the Josh Jackson, because he's on Adrian Amos, because yeah. he's on one of the linebackers. That's where you win. You know, yeah. he is a disruptive force because he essentially changes the game. 
because he is a matchup, just an absolute matchup nightmare. I mean, and, I, it, I, and, I and if our listeners remember during the season when the Dolphins played the, the Chiefs, I was kind of prescient because I told everybody, you know what? I think Gasecki could have a big game against the Chiefs because of the way the Chiefs played, played against tight ends, how they played Darren Waller most of the mm. year. They were a little bit too cute by half, and I think Teron Matthews is a, a great player. He's just not a guy that you just put one-on-one with a tight end. And the Chiefs were essentially getting beat up by tight ends going into that game. They started doing the same thing with Gasecki. Gasecki starts getting stuff on them, and they had to get out of it. Imagine if you have two tight ends. Exactly. And and drafting Kyle Pitts is not an indictment against Mike Gasecki. Mike Gasecki is a really good player. He's a top 10 tight end at worst in the the league, and he's really developing. Mm -hmm. Um, Kyle Pitts and Mike Gasecki on the field at the same time is a nightmare for teams to stop. And that's what you're trying to do. Score points, win games, and you do that by creating matchups. And, and Pitts does that for all the reasons that we've talked about. You know, he dictates coverage. He changes the game. He dominates at the catch point. He's athletic. He eats up that cushion against corners um, because he's so fast. He's, he's physical enough. His play strength is fantastic. He plays through contact. He beats double coverage. But he's also more than just a playmaker. You know, he's not a one-trick pony. People say he can't block it. I tell you what, turn on the tape. Go and watch him against DeMarvin Leal, who'll be a first-round pick next year, 290-pound defensive tackle from Texas A&M. You go and turn on the tape against 270-pound Michael Clements or 290-pound Justin Egoebe or 280-pound Malik Herring will get drafted this year of Georgia. They all had really tough days against him in line. Um, and he's just such a perfect fit for the modern game. You know, he is that Darren Waller that you mentioned. He is Travis Kelsey plus in terms of upside mm-hmm. because he can line up anywhere. He allows an offense also to get more information for the quarterback pre-snap. That is really important as well and, and something that, that people don't consider because you move him around. Let's say you're two. Uh, so much of what you do in the play is dictated to by what happens before the ball is snapped. If you're moving carpets yes. around, you know, you move him from the slot to the boundary X, you see who goes with him. You see how they go with him. You see whether they're rolling a safety over the top. You see if a linebacker moves out, not only is that telling you what coverage they're going to run, but by that movement of the defense, that is then opening up secondary and third and fourth options for you that, you know, are now going to be open because if that linebacker, Absolutely. Let's say it's the wheel of a, or the strong side linebacker. They are now all of a sudden taking two steps to the right hand side because they know they've sort of got a bracket car pits in a sort of in a zone. Well, that linebacker who's moved two yards to his left was supposed to be covering your satellite back on a little wheel route. Well, now all of a sudden, he's not sure whether he's caught between a rock and a hard place. Does he cover the satellite back or, but he knows he's got a bracket car pits because he's got to play a little bit of that. Well, you're winning. You know, Pitts might catch six passes a game, but what fans, you know, what your average fan, and I don't mean this in a, in a nasty way at all, but what your average mm. fan won't, you'll see, oh, well, drafted Carl Pitts sixth overall, he got caught four passes, but the Dolphins scored 52 points and the receivers had a field day. Well, a lot of that is down to Carl Pitts because of the way that he, he, he dictates what they do. And, and, and that's, I think, what people have got to keep at the heart of, they can't just see him as a tight end. They can't just see him as a wide receiver. They've got to see him as this match-up chess piece. And very few teams have that. This is why people are talking about him so much. To me, he's the best tight end to come out since Tony Gonzalez. We talk about Gronkowski, uh, Hall of Fame, first ballot, arguably the greatest tight end of all time. But don't forget, Rob had a massive back injury when he was at Arizona, and that's why he dropped into the second round. 
Travis Kelsey, you know, George Kittle. You know, Kittle was a fourth-round pick. There was a reason why George Kittle was a fourth-round pick. He had yeah, the only guy I can remember that had this much backing, and I think it, it bore fruit, was Jeremy Shockey. I think, that's, yeah. I think yeah. that's the last time that a tight end came out in the first round and everybody pointed at him. And Vernon said, Davis maybe is another one. Yeah, that's a good one. That, that's, that's a pretty good one. You know, a lot of people were excited about Evan Ingram, but, you know, it didn't bear fruit as far as mm. a, a high draft pick. But I, th- I guess we could tidy up Calpits, and I absolutely agree with you. And we've talked about this on the Three Yards Per Carry Twitter account, and I've pointed it out to people. Uh, by mere alignment, when you come out and who is going to step in front of Calpits, who are talking about might know immediately, okay, guess what? They need to use, and it's not they're going to use. No, they need to use a linebacker, Mike Gusecki. By mere alignment. So absolutely, Kyle Pitts is a matchup nightmare, and I'd love to have him on our team, which you know, which begs the question. And that's, I guess, how we can tidy up Kyle Pitts in, in our tight end preview. How does he get here? Because I've done a mock draft. I sent him to Atlanta. And the reason I sent him to Atlanta, they extended uh, Matt Ryan's contract. I think that they may, maybe they want to make one more run at it. That's a hell of a skill group that you'd be adding Kyle Pitts to. I think it's the legitimate. That's a, a legitimate one last shot with Matt Ryan. Maybe Cincinnati. Now the rumor is that he might go to Cincinnati. Do you see him getting to Miami at number six? Um, I think for, I think quarterbacks will go one, two, three, and four. Mm. Um, and if that happens, Atlanta, you know, you look ahead to – We've been bitten by this before, in a way, in that, you know, we've, we've said potentially, you know, the, the quarterbacks have come from nowhere. Baker Mayfield kind of came from nowhere. Joe Burrow certainly came from nowhere. Um, Zach Wilson sort of came from nowhere. You know, Zach Wilson was a six or seven round pick coming into the season because of the injuries that he had. And, you know, he was Joe battling Burrow. out to... to Joe to Burrow, was, un- Joe Burrow. was undraftable. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, and put up the greatest season of all time in the history of college football. So, yep. you know, a quarterback could come from somewhere, but you look ahead to next year, you know, there, there are some interesting names, certainly, you know, and, and players I like, but teams, especially at the quarterback position, are scouting multiple years now. They're not just scouting for 2021. They're scouting quarterbacks for 2022. You know, I know the Dolphins did it last year. They scouted ahead, you know, so you look at Sam Howell at North Carolina, you look at Caden Slovis at USC, Desmond Ritter, who came back to Cincinnati, Jaden Daniels at Arizona like State. Yeah, Spencer Rattler. You've got the kid at Boston College, Phil. Um, I can't even think of your second name. Um, you know, there are there are quarterbacks out there. Um, I think for Atlanta, you have the opportunity, twofold opportunity, really. If Justin Fields gets past the, the San Francisco 49ers, you have the opportunity to bring in something of a Ryan Tannehill clone. And what I mean is that Ryan's issue sometimes in Miami was that he almost overprocessed. You know, he fitted so well into that Arthur Smith offense because it was very much use his athletic ability, get out on the perimeter, don't have to make multiple reads, get the ball out of your hand quickly because that's what the system predicates. Um, and when you're out on the perimeter of the pocket, you can run or you can pass. And Ryan has turned in back-to-back phenomenal years. He's been an absolute revelation. Yeah. Um, Justin Fields' issues at Ohio State were all about processing. They were all about his internal clock, so he'd keep the ball too long. Part of that was down to the system. So Ryan Day's offense runs a lot of long developing routes, late switch releases, for example. 
Um, sometimes Fields would cut and run too soon. Sometimes he would take sacks that he just shouldn't do. Sometimes he would just throw bad incompletions. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that Ryan Day has spoken to, had spoken to him about, you know, sometimes you just got to throw the ball out of bounds and go back and, you know, sometimes he just threw bad picks. Um, uh, the, the, the Atlanta offense suits, and the 49ers offense, frankly, both suit Justin Fields because of those reasons that I said. But also, there's something else at play in that, you know, he was born and grew up and went to high school 55 miles away from Atlanta. You know, he is a local Georgia kid. He went to the University of Georgia. I know it didn't work mm-hmm. out there. But, you know, that is – talk about galvanizing a um, a fan base. You know, that stadium is amazing. I've been to it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sell out. It's it's full for the soccer, but it's yeah, never is, full for the Falcons. Which is strange, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a sellout for the Sockets. Never, ever fall for the Falcons. You know, and I think there's an image issue there. Matt Ryan is 35. Could they take him? Absolutely, they could. But I just think that they will be looking ahead and they will think that, you know what, we could secure the position for two or three, you know, for the next two or three years, maybe with Matt Ryan if we wanted to. Maybe, we, you know, there's an out on Matt Ryan's contract next year. Um, and they could secure that position for the next decade, whether that's Lance, who does obviously similar things, whether that's Fields. The Bengals, you know, people talk about, you know, Joe Burrow says he wants to draft Jamar Chase, and why wouldn't he? Um, Kyle Pitts obviously would be a huge a huge plus there, but you, you've got to, if you, are, if you are Zach Taylor, you cannot look at what happened last year. The most hits of any quarterback in the league, one of the most hit quarterbacks in the last 10 years, um, regardless of team or year, you've got to protect him. You know, Riley Reef, they signed as an, uh, you know, he got cut by the Vikings. He got cut for a reason. You know, Riley Reef is not the reason why you don't draft either Rashawn Slater or Penny Sewell. He isn't. You've got to protect Joe Burrow. And the thing is, you could draft Penny Sewell at five, and then you can come back and draft Terrace Marshall. You can come back and draft Elijah Moore early in the second round. Do you know what I mean? You're almost getting your, you know, if you, let, let's say you draft Penesul and you get Terrace Marshall in the second round if you're the Bengals. Would you rather that than take Jamar Chase and Jalen Mayfield? I, I know what I'd rather do. I'd rather have the mm. stud left tackle who's 20 years old and a receiver who's really developing into, you know, ran a 436 and is really developing into a hell of a player. And they're not corrupt the talent outside. No. Higgins just had a monster rookie. Exactly. Tyler Boyd is still there. Joe Mixon's a really good player. Mm-hmm. You know, they are, there's a lot of talent there. So I I think the Bengals, they could take him, but, you know, you've got to protect the franchise quarterback because if, you know, Burrow blew his knee out because he just got, kept getting hit. He got hit, he got hit, he got hit, the knee went. You've got to protect that investment because otherwise he ends up like David Carr. So could they take him? Of course they could. Could Atlanta take him? Of course they could. It just doesn't seem like the smart play to me. The other option is that, you know, teams could move up. You know, the Denver Broncos could move up. There could be a shock team moving up. You know, the Patriots could move up. I mean, the Saints could move. It's a long way for the Saints to come, but, you know, they could move up. Washington football team could move up. There's an awful lot of, you know, possibilities of a team jumping up to four. I don't think Miami would take a, a move down. I don't think the Bengals would take a move down. Then you're looking at Detroit at seven. They might do, but, you know, they've lost Marvin Jones. They've lost, uh, they've lost, um, Kenny Golladay. So yeah. I suspect they were taking And with TJ Hawkinson, they receiver. could be working exactly. on their own little thing there too. I, I, I think Pitts, uh, he could go at four, he could go at five, but to me, I think he, you know, six has got to, I just can't believe the Dolphins couldn't look at that and think, wow, what can he do for that offer? It's not like, look, Waddle, Chase, Smith could all do wonderful things for the offense, but 
to have a move tight end who can do what he can do and just change the entire face of how a defense works. That that is a very special combination. Yeah, and and you could have a situation where the Dolphins don't take pits; they actually pass on pits, and you get a good career. And it was it was a strange stat because I saw it today. Somebody uh, somebody was talking about it, and they were listing it. Did you know that out of the last eighty five? Uh, I think it was the, the last 85 picks in the top six, okay, which encompasses the, the sixth overall pick, which is the Dolphins. Out of the last 85, 11 have Hall of Fame careers. 11 have Hall of Fame trajectory careers, w- meaning that they're going to be first ballot Hall of Famers. Mm. So there comes some pressure with that sixth overall pick. And yeah, I tend to agree with you. You want to get, you know, these receivers are really good, but there's one unicorn there and yeah i i don't think he makes it to six you seem to be saying that he will make it to six because you see it could go it could go four quarterbacks yeah. to start the miami game. doesn't need a tight end either you know they do yeah. not need a tight end it goes back to it not being an indictment of Kasiki. It, it it's an indictment on the modern nfl yeah um and it's just a value pick even at six it's a value pick to get the second best player in the draft because of what you can do with him absolutely all right, moving off of Cal Pitts, and I think we could clean up. And George Godsey, just to finish, George Godsey mm-hmm. has been a long-term tight end coach. He will see the value of what he can do. Absolutely, and and the way that they used Mike Gusecki this past season kind of tells you, like they they have a playbook already in mind for Cal Pitts. Yeah. All right, moving off so. of him, day one. I think I'm. I think we agree. He's the only day one tight end. He's the only one that goes in the first round. Frymouth might get in at the back end. Yeah, he's a really good player. He's a traditional Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a really good 2019. I don't think he had a great 2020, but he's athletic. He's dependable. He's got a really high floor. He's competitive. Um, I, I'm a bit, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a really, really good player. He's got and- good traits. Hey, ben Fennell of the NFL Network points to Travis Kelsey as somebody who exhibits very similar traits, which is that winning at the top of his route, which I think is very important. He's a really good red zone target because he's just got such a good body. Um, yeah, I like him a lot. I think he's a good player. He's run a four sixty eight. You know, this is a, it's no mug at six foot five and two hundred and sixty pounds. I like Frymouth. All right, moving off of Frymouth, Reverend Jordan has, is he's a favorite down here. Okay, as simple as that. Yeah. And and I compared him to Evan Ingram because uh, I had some anecdotal evidence from two thousand nineteen that he was one of the faster Miami Hurricanes running sub four fives. He runs this year. Runs what a four six eight or something like that, which yeah, kind of at two thirty five is not great. Which kind of I mean, kills it, it, it kind of kills like all the myths. It kills it kills all the 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 rumblings or the the whispers of Brevin Jordan the past two years. Everybody's been saying he is fast. He's gonna test fast. He's Evan Ingram, Vernon Davis. Doesn't seem to have borne fruit. And his tape, as far as his, his tape goes. Yeah, it's you know he's productive, but they tried to use him in the red zone on fade routes. Doesn't high point the ball as as well as other guys in his class, and he has some drops. And as, and when you get down to it, you talk about his blocking. It's approved, but it's not good either. I don't know. Uh, personally, I would punt on the entire class for Miami. Uh, I'm happy with what I have. Except, of course, you know, Kyle Pitts. I'm talking about the rest of the class. I don't think we need to augment the rest of the roster in this regard. 
Do you disagree or no, you would punt on the class as well? I'd punt on the tight end class. You, you don't need one. You've got, you know, three solid tight ends there with the with Smythe and with um, Shaheen. I don't think you need to. Um, just Pitts just does something different. Oh, I don't mind Jordan. Like I said to you before we started recording, to me, he's like a Johnny Smith kind of guy. Mm. Um, yeah, he's versatile. He's got some issues. Injury issues would worry me with Brevin Jordan, actually. You know, he had a that foot problem in 2018, the bruised knee in 2019. He had the shoulder and the ankle in 2020. So, you know, the, those kind of niggling injuries, especially for a, a 235-pounder, is a, is a bit of a concern. All right, let's move on to the offensive line. And I guess we'll start with tackles. And I have a couple, okay? Uh, I think best in class, obviously, it's Penny Sewell, in my opinion. I don't know if maybe you have a different opinion. No, I've got Sewell as number one. I think he's just a, you know, unlimited potential, really. You know, he's a... uh, The interesting thing about Sewell is you can play him at left tackle because he's a a dancing bear as a pass protector, but you can play him at left guard and he'd be, you know, Quentin Nelson, Larry Allen, you play him at right tackle. I think he's just... He's 20 years old as well. You know, I think he could be an absolutely dominant... He's somebody that you could play at left guard early and then could kick out to to left tackle. I, I don't really find any holes in his game. Um... Yeah, you know, a scout told me that he's one of the most fun players he's watched over a decade because players like him just don't come along very often. He's explosive, he's powerful, he's athletic, he's balanced, he's heavy-handed. He rolls his hips on contact. He's great in space. He's brainy. Um, you know, there's been a bit of talk about some of the the off-field stuff in terms of maturity. I, I haven't been able to stand that up in terms of, I've spoken to some scouts and they're like, they've heard it, but they're not West coast scouts. So that, you know, but nobody's really talking. There's no, the, 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 I don't think there's one thing potentially, you know, he's a fun guy. He likes to joke around and maybe that's what it is, but he won the Outland trophy at 19. You know, he's, um, I, I suppose the biggest concern for him for me, it's the lack of pure drop back pass sets. You know, you'd expect to have around 25 per game and he is averaging about 11 per game. Um, so he's not actually used to those pure NFL passing reps um, because of the, the because of the the way the system works. But he's so dominant that I think it's just a case of more reps and more experience. And I, I really like him. All right, now I can't, and I'll tell you why in a second. I can't make a, a bear case for for Penny Sewell at number six, and the reason I can't is because you drafted Austin Jackson last year. Now I would I would I would say. I've dug into, you know, what Austin Jackson has said this offseason about, yeah, I'll play at right tackle. I'll play anywhere. He's a left tackle. In my opinion, he's just a left tackle. Mm. And I saw him this past season. He, I thought he was a pretty damn good left tackle. And if you believe in some of the numbers and the metrics, he was right there with all the best in, in the first round. I think after he got injured, he wasn't as good as he was to start the season. Now, I cannot make a case for drafting Penny Sewell number six for two reasons. First of all, you will be passing on a Coppets or a Devonta Smith or a Jamar Chase. That's a guarantee. You will pass on one of those guys if you take Sewell at number six. I don't see how you make the investment on a young player in Austin Jackson last year with a first-round pick, and a year later you're replacing him, knowing that you know Penny Sewell was going to come out in – the draft and he was going to be a high, you know, a high pick. And you did have two first rounders. So there was a possibility you had a shot at him. I don't see how you just, you know, do an about face, change direction and say, you know what? He's our left tackle now. 
And Austin Jackson is going to have to find his way at right tackle. And I think that that also displaces Robert Hunt, moves him to guard. And now we're playing musical chairs with all the entire offensive line. Yeah. I just that's don't been, see it. Uh, I don't know if point. you have a bear case. I, I don't. And I can't make one. That, that's been my point is that one, you've got to let the guys develop. Two, you, you if you draft Penny Sewell at six, same as if you drafted him at three, nobody's drafting the right tackle at six. You're no. just not, you know. And if you draft him and you're playing him at right tackle, or if you're drafting him and playing him at left tackle, you are now putting in a new player every single position on that offensive line. So Penny Sewell starts at left tackle, new player. Austin Jackson goes to right tackle, a position he hasn't played since high school. That's a new right tackle. You're then moving last year's right tackle, Robert Hunt, from right tackle to right guard. So that's a new player at right guard. You're then moving Solomon Kindley, who was probably the line's most consistent player last year, to left guard, who probably starts in front of Eric Flowers. And you need a new centre, whether that's Matt Scora or they bring in a, a rookie. So every single position on an offence that you are now trying to gel together with a quarterback that you're really trying to gel together and needs some solidity in front of him has five new players in five different positions in front of him. That, to me, doesn't make an awful lot of sense. And that's why I don't think they'll draft Penny Sewell. He's yeah, a, a phenomenal player. I just don't see it. You've got to, get, you've got to give Austin Jackson time to develop. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, and especially uh, Brian Flores, he had a quote the other day uh, where he was asked about, you know, developing players. And he kind of poo-pooed it himself when he said, you don't go from winning 10 games and talking about further development. You talk about, you go from winning 10 games to talking about making the playoffs mm. and try to win a championship. So also, what does drafting, what does drafting Pele Sewell say about your decision to draft Austin Jackson? It, it says, uh, oh, oh boy, we, we screwed up. We uh, fucked up. Yeah, we threw away a first-round pick, and that's not a good thing. So I think we see eye-to-eye on this. So we're going to move on to late day one, which is, of course, the first round, and that's pick 18, and there's there's only one player. And, man, I poured over all of these guys, and one guy has some pretty impressive tape, and that's Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State, right tackle, Mm -hmm. 6'6", 315 pounds. There is a game, okay? And I suggest, I think fans can find this game. If you go on YouTube, you could find this game because it was Oklahoma State versus Texas. And Texas Texas has an edge rusher that we will talk about in a future show. In fact, our next show, which is about edge players, Joseph Asai. Joseph Asai had 12 tackles, forced a fumble, had three sacks. None of that except one sack came against Tevin Jenkins. He had 15 reps against Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins absolutely stoned him until the last play of the game, which was an overtime where Tevin Jenkins gets beat on an outside rush by Joseph Asai. Joseph Asai gets the sack and it ends the game right there. I love Tevin Jenkins as a right tackle. I don't know if I'll take him at 18, but if I find myself with a pick in the 20s and he's still sitting there, I'm probably taking him. I don't know what your opinion is of him, but I absolutely love Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, he's kind of Cam Robinson on the right side. There's that kind of nasty drive block. He's a four-year starter. He didn't allow a sack as a junior or a senior. Um, he's kind of the epitome of that, that what to sort of term the big nasty, isn't he? He's got some juice as a run, uh, as a run player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a sort of powerful drive blocker with strong hands. I think he's you know, there's a great play against a side where he... Um, he, he he clubs aside to stun him, and I'm a huge fan of Joseph Asai. 
Um, then he redirects him into the the defensive tackle is looping round, and he pancakes the pair of them. It's just it's a yes. phenomenal play, and I love Asai. Um, but yeah, he's a very very interesting player. He's a very interesting player. He's pretty balanced. He gets great leverage. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just reading the draft book, and I've actually re- I just realized this is what I've written. He's the epitome of the term big nasty. Jenkins is a pure right tackle with some juice as a run defender. He's clearly not a run defender, Simon. You <laughs> absolute idiot. As a run blocker is the word I need to change there. Um, well done for doing that. Yeah, I like Jenkins. There's other like, like I like, um, you know, I think Rashawn Slate is a good player, but he's a zone player and we don't really play zone. I'm a big fan of Alex Leatherwood. I really like Leatherwood. Um, By the way, uh, before we get off on Tevin Jenkins, there's a rep against Oklahoma, number 44 of Oklahoma. I keep forgetting his name. He's an, he's a cornerback. He comes out, I believe, next year. I believe he did not declare. I don't know if you could get his name, I don't, but why not let's shame him here on the show uh oklahoma number 44 cornerback but anyway uh, i'll look for him in a little bit but there's a rep where they run a screen and tevin jenkins releases and number 44 of oklahoma absolutely dives out of the way (laughs) by tevin jenkins and Oh my God. I absolutely love Tevin Jenkins. I don't know about you. I guess we'll start there and then you could go on with your guys. Is yeah, there I, an offensive lineman? I don't think there's an interior offensive lineman, but is there an offensive lineman that you can see the Dolphins taking at 18 that you would be happy with? Or is there one that you could take in a trade down? Mine is Tevin Jenkins with a pick in the 20s. Um, I like Leatherwood. I really like Leatherwood. Uh, uh, Brendan Radley Hiles is the cornerback. Um, okay, there he is. Number 44. Shame on yeah, you. Yeah, shame. Does he, does he come out next year or no? He's only small. He's a junior as well, so he'll be out next year, but he's 5'9", okay. 179 that, Okay, pounds, that's why so he's diving out of the way. He's not going to throw it. Exactly. Get a run for the hills. Run <laughs> for the hills. Uh, I like Leatherwood. I think he's battle-tested. Um, he can play uh, left tackle. He can play right guard. He can play right tackle. I really like him. I think he's a dominant run blocker. Um, but I do think he's a tackle. Um, I'm a big fan of Liam Eikenberg. Uh, again, just a ridiculously hardworking left tackle. Don't overlook good college players. He's just a nice player. Brady Christensen is a really nice player as well. He's the the BYU left tackle. Um, I suppose if we're talking about right tackles, he would be the guy, um, your guy, Tevin Jenkins. There aren't really other right. Walker Little's really interesting, the Stanford kid, but I mean, to my mind, I mean, he he's played one game since December 2018. And to my mind, you can't spend a high pick on somebody who's played that little football, regardless of how good they are. You know, he's a five-star recruit. His grandfather was Gene Little. Uh, he He's an NFL Hall of Famer. Um, his uncle is Rick Little, who's a fifth round of the Colts. I just, um, you know, to me, I would, um, if I was taking a right tackle, it'd be Tevin Jenkins. But it just goes back to what we talked about. I just don't think they can do it. Unless they, unless they think to themselves, you know what, Robert Hunt is definitely a guard. And at that point, then yeah. maybe you pull the trigger on a Jenkins. The other guy that people talk about is Elijah Vera Tucker, who played left mm-hmm. to, left guard to Austin Jackson's left tackle and then uh, played left tackle last year when Jackson graduated. was really good. To me, he's a zone player. And again, the Dolphins don't play zone. I saw Todd McShay has picked him in the first round to the Dolphins, but I just don't think schematically he fits. He's a pure sort of zone, zone system guy. So, I think he's perfect for the Raiders, and that's where I mocked him. Hmm. All right, so uh, day two 
and I guess we could tidy up here with day two and day three tackles. Do you see the Dolphins taking a tackle, and do you have some names for day two and three? I've, I've been watching, and I guess I'll start it off. Uh, you know, Jalen Mayfield, I believe, goes in day one. He's, I think he's a late first-round pick. Leatherwood, I think, is borderline first-round pick because for whatever reason, a lot of these guys are moving them down their boards. Yeah, I think he goes round meaning, two. Yeah, so he could go top of round two, especially Kuiper. Kuiper at one point had him as the, the top-rated tackle. Now he has him fourth or fifth. So I don't know. Day two, I don't see a tackle. And, I, and as far as a tackle in this draft, for me, day three, Adrian Ely out of Oklahoma. Mm. He has really good pass pro tape. Uh, some of his pass pro tape is as good as any of the, the top guys in this draft. His problem is run blocking. He ends up on the ground a lot, and he's he has a hard time finding people to hit, okay? So he tends to lumber a little bit. But he's, it's not the worst thing in the world of the Dolphins use a fifth-round pick on Adrian Ely out of Oklahoma. Uh, he could be a swing tackle in a pinch. He won't embarrass you. He won't allow five or six sacks like, you know, most. Like, well, like, like we've seen before from some swing tackles in the NFL, which seems to be the worst position on most teams. So – yeah, Adrian Ely is probably the only tackle I will look at in this draft, and that's with a very late pick. I already mentioned Tema Jenkins. Nobody else. I don't know what you think as far as a tackle on day two or three. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll take one. There's three guys I like. James Hudson, who's a Michigan transfer from Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati. Uh, he's only had 719 snaps. Uh, I think he and less than half of those have been in pass protection, but he's really a really, really high a ceiling player. He's got great balance and body control, great la- lateral movement skills. He was a four-star defensive end in high school. Um, he'd be one guy I'd be interested in. I think he'll go on day two. Um, Dante Smith of East Carolina, again, outstanding at the senior bowl, two-year team captain, um, developmental left tackle with massive upside, who could again, he's got 35 and a quarter inch arms. Um, he moves really well, just a load of buildable traits. Um, and then Larry Borum of Missouri, who's just a big human being at 6'6", 332. He's played mainly right tackle and left guard, but he played left tackle in 2019. He's just a really interesting uh, player. He does a good job with his mass. You know, he's good in the run game. He's a bit limited athletically. I think he'd be a guard and a decent swing tackle. Um, Borum is a day three guy that I think would be a, a, a solid pickup. You know, there's a couple of other guys, Josh Ball, who's quite a good player, but some some significant off-field issues with Josh Ball. Um, he got arrested for um, domestic violence, um, which is, yeah, I think his people are going to understandably turn their nose up at. Um, and there's a kid at Fresno State, uh, Cyrus Tutelli, uh, who's a little raw in pass protection. Um, again, could be a guard, but he's a heavy-handed run blocker who can do a nice job at the second level. He's a sort of developmental type with some some plus traits. He's AJ Epinesa's cousin. Um, so, yeah, there's some interesting guys. All right. Now, moving on to the interior offensive line, and I think that's where we could finish up. On the interior offensive line, we talked about him so much that it's gotten to the point where if they don't draft him, it's probably going to be a disappointment. I think we're going to have people uh, – I guess on our three yards per carry account, we're going to have people asking us, you know, why did they pass on him if they did, if they do pass on him at 36? Although I think, you know, who knows? He could go maybe earlier than that. And we're talking about Creed Humphrey, of course, center, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. We've talked about him for so, for so, we talked about him in last year's, <laughs> mm-hmm. like first look in the draft because we thought he might declare he didn't. So, you know, 
if they don't take him, it's probably a disappointment. I'll tell you what, and I'll tell you straight up. He's, he's a target for me. And at 36, I don't envision a scenario where he is not my BPA at 36. His senior bowl is as impressive as it gets. His reps, and especially in practice, I know. I know Quinn Miners had, you know, he had the ear of everybody. But to be honest with you, I think it was more of a his his his, I guess his personality and his reputation. You know, a, a guy coming out of Wisconsin Whitewater, you know, out of nowhere, and he's here with the big boys, and he looks great. But I thought Creed Humphrey was dominant in practice. He was dominant in the game. There's absolutely nothing wrong with him. Even his injury history is good, if you want to compare it against a guy like Landon Dickerson, who I have his injuries here, and you could list them, but he has won every single year since 2016, okay? Serious injuries where he's missed games, okay? ACL, ankle, ankle in order, ligament damage to his left knee in December. I don't know. I think he is center one and... If you're targeting a center and you get anybody else, I think you failed. Uh, Creed Humphrey is my pick at 36, and I don't even think about it. What, what say you, Simon? Yeah, I like Humphrey. He's my number two center. Dickerson, oh. to me, is the best center in the draft. I mean, the, the, the issues, off-field issues in terms of injuries, are clearly massive. Um, but to me, he's a first-rounder with a clean medical history. But uh, unfortunately, it's about the only thing his game lacks. You know, he's a... Mm. He's a phenomenal. I think he's just a phenomenal player. He is nasty. You know, you never stand around near a pile towards the end of a play watching if you go against Dickerson. His tape is absolutely bully. clean. Landon Dickerson's yeah. tape. Let, let me be clear, by the way. I'm not absolute. I'm not. I'm not taking a dump on Landon Dickerson. No, no, for sure. I like Creed Humphrey best because of what I listed, which is like I said, an injury a year since 2016 for Landon Dickerson, and injuries that have cost them games. Yeah, I mean, he played. Tw- he's played 24 straight games without without injury during the time at Alabama. Obviously, he went to Florida State, played three seasons there first, but just struggled with those injuries that you mentioned. I like Humphrey a lot. We've liked him since he was a freshman. You know, he's a three-year star. He's kind of got country strength. He's quick. He's sound technically. I, I think he lacks elite traits, but he's smart. He's athletic. He's consistent. He's got a mean streak. He ticks a lot of boxes. Look, you go and watch him against Tyler Shelvin, who's the big 355, 60-pound LSU nose tackle, who's a, one of those planet theory guys. You know, he absolutely it's, – it's teach tape. You know, he can ragdoll defenders. He can retrace and take them for seconds when they get up. He he very rarely gives up ground. But he also, what I love about him is that he has an innate understanding of where his quarterback is in the pocket and he can move his body accordingly. So, you know, he's played with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Spencer Rattler. He understands where they are in relation to their movement in the pocket, which I, which I find really interesting. I think there's three guys that, that we have to keep an eye on. And, and they're position conversions of which the Dolphins have been heavily involved in said position conversions. So Kendrick Green at Illinois is an experienced left guard, 33 straight starts, four at center. He's a former DT. He is a hugely underrated prospect. And there's been a lot of talk about him being a a center at the next level. And then you have to look at a guy that you mentioned, obviously Quinn Minots, who from Wisconsin Whitewater, who the Dolphins specifically moved from left guard to center yeah. um, during the senior bowl. And he, he, I mean, he blew people away. He absolutely blew people away. He was pancaking, you know, 
day one, late day one, early to mid day two, power five defensive ends and defensive tackles like Patrick Jones, like uh, Ozer Digizua, like Levi Amwazariki. I mean, he was literally taking them five, eight, 10, 12 yards down the field and laying them flat on their backs. You know, Levi Amwazariki, to me, is the best defensive tackle in the draft. He had no idea what was going on. Mm. No idea. And the other guy is Robert Hainsey, who yes. was a right tackle at Notre Dame. Uh, and again, the Dolphins moved him to play center, some snaps at center. He is an experienced, position versatile team captain. He was very, very, very good at the senior bowl. And he essentially played four positions on the offensive line. He started three seasons at right tackle. He got shorter arms than, than average, but he was very good at center. Um, and one and thing, I, one interesting thing about Robert Hainsey, and I think I guess we could end it here after this. Robert Hainsey at the senior bowl, they asked them to play all these positions in practice. Most guys, they just pigeonholed into one position and had them play that. Robert Hainsey, they specifically point, they specifically picked him out to play, and he played it all. He played left mm-hmm. tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle in practice. He's the only guy who did that, but most notably, he played a lot of center, and that was at the direction of the Dolphins coaching staff. So mm-hmm. they, they obviously had you know, instructions from Chris Greer and company in the front office. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good. Set. I, I I like the center class. You go down to, you know, Drake Jackson at Kentucky, 44 starts at center, team leader. I think he's a really good player. There's some Michael Mene at Penn State, Drew Dolman at Stanford's a really nice player. Jimmy Morrissey at Pittsburgh, Trey Hill at Georgia. There's some nice players there. You know, um, some interesting guys who I think um, who I think the Dolphins are going to like. And it's the same with guard. You know, we haven't really touched on the guard position, but yeah, you know, we're going to touch on it now. Like yeah. uh, I was gonna, t- I was gonna tell you, there's only one guard because uh, I think we have, uh, not that our our roster is great, but I would say that you know you have developing players and you have some guys that you're kind of happy with. Personally, a lot of a lot of the 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 media down here is not very happy with Solomon Kinley, but I am as far as a rookie. I thought he had a pretty mm. decent year, and if I am gonna start moving people around, I would take a Tevin a Tevin Jenkins and then move Robert Hunt at guard, which means we don't have a guard problem. But if there is a guard that I will look at in the second round and I just stare at the board and say, you know what? And almost run out my time to do what Mike Tice did that one year where the time ran out on him Mm. and the next team picked, I would stare at the board and think to myself, you know what? Aaron Banks from Notre Dame would look really nice in the Dolphins uniform because he's just a freak. Yeah. He's Brandon Brooks to me. He's a pure people mover. I mean, to me, the Vera Tucker is the best guy, but to me, Trey Smith is the guy that, I would absolutely run the card up for, you know, this is a, you know, there are some medical issues because obviously the blood uh, clots that were found in his lungs in 2018 and he's, he's on blood thinners, but boy, he is a, he is a, I mean, he's a nasty, nasty player. Banks is a good player as well. Big fan of Aaron Banks, you know, he's powerful, solid, you know, um, He's had some injury issues though, broken feet and uh, and some other bits and pieces. But I, I, I like him a lot. It's a decent, not a bad guard club. Deontay Brown, Alabama. There's a kid at Grambling State, David Moore, who I really like. Robert Jones, who played well at the Senior Bowl. Um, but yeah, I you know Trey Smith and Banks, really nice players, and and obviously fit kind of what we're looking for. We we kind of ignored the Ohio State guys as well, Wyatt Davis. Mm. Um, who obviously carries that injury red flag because of what happened. His grandfather's Willie Davis is in the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, he actually played high school football with, with Josh Rosen. Um, and then obviously the center at, at Ohio State is, um, is Josh Myers, 
um, kind of high floor kid, strong, competitive, played at a very high level. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a decent class inside, and I think the Dolphins will pick up. Yeah, Kevin Jenkins is an interesting name. He is an interesting name because, you know, you, you strengthen two positions almost if you can move Hunt inside as well. So it's yeah. just, it, it, it's information that we don't know, which is how do the Dolphins rate Robert Hunt internally? You know, and we will Absolutely. find that out post the draft. But, you know, if they rate him, if they don't bring in a right tackle, then we know how they rate him. If they do, then we know that they they want him to to be that that right guard and maybe that's ultimately where he should end up. But I know that they absolutely were desperate to see him. You know, the, the words literally were he'll be he will be I can't actually I can't tell you literally what they were because I now can't fucking remember but <laughs> the words were something like um like he will be know, allowed to fail at right right tackle. that's exactly what it was he'll be allowed to fail a right tackle that's what it was now, I, that was told to me specifically by a member of the Dolphins um front office well so, yeah. that is our tight end and offensive line preview our next show will talk about edge interior defensive line defensive lineman but till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.